Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Greetings and welcome to Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen. Oh, we're not doing names this time. I, I don't know. I, I am Luke Owen, the Sony PlayStation launch. Oh, you see, look, I'm backing up my name with a massive marketing plan. It's all very business-like, but what it boils down to is that between launch and Christmas, I'm spending £20 million to make sure everyone knows how good I am. I'm Ash Versus. Uh, and these are episodes that we've been talking about for a little while now. Basically, we want to talk about the launch of the Sony PlayStation. Last week, we did the launch of the Sega Saturn. And we're going to just basically sort of talk about what the launch was like here in the UK. We're going to go through Games Master's coverage of it in the magazines. We've got some stuff from the official PlayStation magazine as well. A promotional video that was released to uh, launch it. So yeah, like I, I'm, I'm excited to do this. Me too, uh, especially this one, because this is one I had first-hand experience on. I'd been working part-time jobs. I'd been saving. I'd sold my SNES at this point to raise the funds to get a Sony PlayStation at launch. And, you know, September 29th, a Friday, it was a school day, but it was still that that just before the weekend. And I had one pre-ordered at the Gloucester Toys R Us, which was, you know, it was a long old trip after after school. And uh, there, there's a story attached to that, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point, if not in this episode, then as we approach it in the timeline. But Sony went big for this launch. We talked about in the Saturn episode how it was kind of like a bit of a, a dribble of a, rather than an actual launch. As I kind of quoted at the beginning, Sony were approaching this looking to spend tens of millions of pounds marketing the hell out of the PlayStation between its launch and between Christmas. And not just to the normal 
kind of places, not just your CVGs, your Games Master magazines, or even your TV adverts during Games Master. They were going for your FHMs, your Loaded, your Face magazine, your Style magazines. The stuff which we as teenagers weren't actually really that interested in yet. They were going, no, let's get in with the Ministry of Sound. Let's make the PlayStation not just a good games machine. Let's make it a status symbol. When I was going through the official PlayStation magazine, that the first issue of it, which came out in November of 95, so probably was on shelves in October of 95, there's a big section in there of just like where you're going to see the PlayStation. And there's like a little box out for there. It's just like, you're going to see it on uh, TV. Here are all of the TV shows currently on terrestrial and digital TV that talk about video games they're going to be talking about uh, the PlayStation Games Master gets a shout out in there. So it's coming back for its fifth series. Um, but there's also things like how they're sponsoring sports, you know, how like Prince Nassim is one of like the big sort of like celebrity figureheads we've got for the PlayStation launch. And, and there's any other and like, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Like it was it was going after more than just the usual places. And they were fairly clever in the way in which they didn't just kind of tie the console in, but tie the games in. Because one of the big standout titles of the launch, and we'll run through the launch titles in a bit, was Wipeout. And one of the most memorable things about Wipeout, particularly that first game, they refined the playstyle by the time we got to Wipeout 2097. But in that first Wipeout game, it was the music. I mean, yeah. that game had a soundtrack. In fact, Sony, because they had the power of an entire kind of multimedia empire behind them, so many of those early games like had amazing licensed soundtracks. Wipeout, the first Gran Turismo in particular as well, they had the ability to just go, yeah, we're going to grab some licensed music in. But Wipeout, with its prodigy, with its dance tunes, with its rave culture, with its iconography, it kind of fit into the club scene of the time. So you had it literally on the dance floor. I remember seeing video footage of nightclubs with PlayStation pods in them. So people were there with their kind of like, I don't know, I guess their, their, their Coca-Colas and their fizzy cola bottles and whatever, whatever you know, young adults were doing in the nightclubs in the 90s. I'm, I'm assuming it was soft drinks and sweeties, Luke. Yeah, well, yeah, Panda Pops and fizzy cola bowls. That, I mean, that's what I was doing at school discos. So, you know, yeah. that's that's what I'm assuming that they were doing. But, you know, they were, oh, they'd had a lot of fizzy cola bottles by the looks of them. Their eyes were so wide, but they were getting well into the PlayStation. Well, Panda Pops were like 98% sugar. So it, it makes it, you, you get two of those and you're away with the fairies. Yeah, full of E numbers. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, full of E excitement for the PlayStation. Yeah. These are good. Anyway, speaking of which, actually, like they're on the they're on Games Master in Series Five, like our first episode playing Wipeouts. Like, so yeah, you know, you talk about like the dance culture and everything like that. It felt like Games Master saw that as well and tied the two together. Let's get a few facts about the launch of the PlayStation down because we've already talked about the moment, kind of like that the price heard around the world. Two ninety nine. And that came at the end of a really tricky E3 where Sony were doing everything they could to deflate Sega, literally and figuratively. Um, I actually read something I hadn't realised before, which is that so, uh, Sony representatives actually sabotaged the inflatable Sonic. <laughs> I had not heard that before. Yeah, apparently they actually went around and deflated the inflatable Sonic and also printed out leaflets that essentially said, if you're thinking about buying a Saturn, your head is in Uranus. Oh, that's very clever. 
But yeah. also, like, I mean, I think it's quite ballsy of Sega to go out there with Sonic inflatables and stuff, considering that they didn't have a fucking Sonic game to promote. Well, I mean, they did a Sonic branded Saturn down the line, and they didn't have a they didn't have a Sonic game. Well, they had Not Sonic an, an Sonic R. Exactly, an exclusive Sonic game. There was Sonic Jam as well, but that was just a collection of previous Sonic titles. In a, like a marmalade pot or something in, like that. Exactly, yeah. But when it came to the UK, you had the launch strategy, bunny ears, Bucky O'Hare ears, that uh, we talked about last week with Sega. And then you had the launch strategy of Sony, which was no pack-in game, but £299 and a demo disc. Now, demo discs have become a big, big thing for Sony and the PlayStation. In fact, actually, like going through the official PlayStation magazine, which comes with a demo disc, so much chatter about the fact that this doesn't only just have rolling demos and rolling demo videos, it also has playable demos of some of these games. I can I go through the, you know, the games that are on the, 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 the first ever demo disc, and the, there's actually even a letter uh, written about it. You know, being like, is this actually worth it? So, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a really, really smart thing to do because it gives you a flavor of a lot of things you can get from it. Those demo discs as well passed around at school. I've never played Cooler World, the full game, but I played the heckins out of that demo. Those demo discs were great. I mean, I grew up with the CPC 464 and also early PC, so I was used to cover discs and cover tapes. But for the console market... Never, never happened. Never, never happened. Never really happened. I think actually, no, tell a lie. There were a couple of Mega CD ones, I believe, mm-hmm. kind of demo discs, and I think a couple for 3DO, but Sony normalized the process, at least with their official PlayStation magazine and the pack-in Demo 1. I've actually got a full rundown of Demo 1. So mm-hmm. you paid £299, you got home, you opened the box, you had your great PlayStation you had your grey PlayStation pad, no analogue controllers. This was the eight buttons, D-pad, start and select. You had an RF cable, which was uh, more accessible tact than Sega took with the Saturn, which only came with a SCART cable. And you had Demo 1. And even though we are now a few years into CD-ROM as a format, this still falls into the same trap as those early 3DO, CDI, Mega CD, which is it opens with a full motion video with a banging soundtrack. Oh, yeah, absolutely it is. And then you go through this kind of opening title sequence where you're seeing things like 1.5 million flat-shaded polygons per second, 500,000 texture-mapped light-sourced polygons a second, graphics, data engine, memory, all these things, which I'm sure to you, Luke, meant a lot as a teenager if you were to see it. 
you know what? Like, we've also got this PlayStation launch video that we're going to talk about a little bit. There's not a massive amount to talk about it, to be honest, because it, it kind of shows uh, like footage of Ridge Racer and Battle Arena Toshiden and, and Cyber Sled. But like there isn't the, the first four to five minutes of it is just this businessman talking about texture mapping and 3D models and 2D rendering and stuff. And I've written in my notes here, if I had to this video, this would be all the stuff that I'd be skipping trying to just get to the gameplay footage. The Sony PlayStation. Now see the outstanding technical capabilities of Sony's advanced video game system and how game developers the world over can now create a stunning new generation of interactive entertainment. The PlayStation delivers over 500 MIPS worth of processing power via its custom chipset. It features dedicated graphics engines, CD quality audio, double-speed CD-ROM, and motion video as standard. Harnessing this power is a 32-bit RISC processor, multi-channel DMA, and ultra-high-speed bus architecture. Traditional two-dimensional graphics are handled with ease, more than 260,000 sprites per second. A variety of screen resolutions are available, up to 640, 480, with 15 or 24-bit color. Yeah, this is the kind of role that Digital Foundry now fulfill and the weird thing is because i'm old now luke i do find that interesting but teenage me probably a lot less unless of course we're getting into format wars which is where we go ah well playstation can do this can the saturn do this to which the answer yeah. actually for most of them was technically yes but separate story you get through the video there's lots of clips and logos and all the business and then you get to the title screen with the PlayStation logo, demo one, and a big pulsing green start button. And you go through it and you go into this menu and that's where you actually get to sample games. Not only games that you can go out and buy immediately, but games that will be coming down the pipe. Like when this demo disc was put together, technically Wipeout wasn't finished. The, the Wipeout demo that is on this disc is based on the E3 demo. And Sony were coming back to Psygnosis going, cool, can you make it more polished? Can you, can you make it shinier? Can you make it closer to finish? But you had two Psygnosis titles on there. You had Wipeout and you had Destruction Derby. Uh, one of those has gone on to be a highly recognisable brand that is still around today. And the other is Destruction Derby, which I think, while it has come back with what, Destruction All-Stars? Something like that, yeah. It always feels like it's, it's a franchise that is on the periphery and a lot of people be like, oh man, it'd be really cool if that came back. And then it just sort of never does. No, I mean, I think it's a shame it hasn't because nowadays a proper full-on Destruction Derby remake without microtransactions or loot crates or whatever would be bloody ace on a PS5. It would look so good. But in addition to those, you also had the kind of, oh, look, gaming is mature now, shoot 'em up of Loaded. You had Virtua Fighter, but with textures and weapons, Battle Arena Toshinden, which was not a top-tier fighting game, but it was a fighting game and that demo did look pretty cool when you compared it to what the saturn was offering at the time which was flat non-textured virtua fighter it did look quite considerably better it didn't play as well but then again i'm not particularly good with virtua fighter either so i think it lacked depth that yeah. was the thing it was actually very easy to play but it lacked depth and then when i actually did eventually pick up a used copy of battle arena toshinden many many years later I was like, oh, so actually the demo kind of, the, the, you know, there's much, not much more to it than that. I, I always assumed that it would be a lot like a lot of other playable demos, where it's just giving you a sampler, just a taster, just enough to whet your appetite. Mm -hmm. But no, 
it was what it was. It spawned a couple of sequels, though, and still has its fans and defenders today. I'm not going to diss Battle Arena Toshinden because I played that demo to death on this demo disc. There were the, there were trailers for other upcoming titles in there as well. Uh, there was kind of a basketball demo in there, which wasn't playable, but was real time. So you could kind of move the camera around and zoom in and zoom out. And then there were a couple of technical demos. There was a T-Rex that you could make kind of like raw and open and close its mouth and move its head and move the camera around. That's in the that PlayStation launch video as well that you sent over across to me. And it's funny because it looks like the, the T-Rex is standing in front of Dracula's castle from the N64 Castlevania games. I mean, to be honest, that would have probably improved the Nintendo 64 Castlevania game having a T-Rex in it. I mean, a lot could have been done to improve that Nintendo 64 Castlevania game. 100%. You also had a manta ray that was pretty cool it was kind of very trippy echo the dolphin-esque like kind of shoals of fish swimming around it looks gorgeous that bit it looks really really impressive weirdly i can't think of anything off the top of my head that ever took that approach or really ran with that whereas the t-rex we kind of saw when tomb raider came around because yeah, tomb raider crisis. yeah 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 and dino crisis because they gave us dinosaurs and then you just had the standard video trailers and then you had the CD visualizer. That was an odd little one, which is actually mentioned, I think, in Games Master Magazine's feature as being something which would allow you to kind of sample your own music and play with it. That's not what it was at all. It was a case of you open this up, you take the demo CD out, you put your music CD again, and boom, you've kind of got a Chemical Brothers video going on. Yeah, you kind of got a, a similar thing with Music 2000 later on down the line again, which I put a lot of hours into, despite the fact that I have very little musical talents. But this demo disc gave you a taste not only of what was to come and what was possible, but what was currently available because Wipeout, available at launch. Destruction Derby, available at launch. Battle Arena Toshinden, available at launch. Which of those games do you think I got at launch, Luke? <laughs> which game did you get at launch ash i got rapid reload because it was the only one available i took the full 3d power of the playstation and i got rapid reload and street fighter the movie i mean street fighter the movie i think both of those are reviewed in this official uh, playstation magazine i can go through them if you'd like please do please go for it well, Street Fighter the movie, they say a hardy perennial of the beat-em-up genre but can the latest incarnation of street fighter kick it Seemingly not, 6 out of 10 is the score for that, where they do say, the might of the Street Fighter name isn't enough to save the movie from being an also-ran in the beat-em-up stakes. The moves are here, but the feel has gone. Now, granted, that is uh, not exactly a, a, a great score or anything. It is better than what you got for your other game. What did they say about Rapid Reload? Well, they say here, already a hit in Japan, Sony's frenetic platform shoot 'em up blasts into the UK, boasting a new name, but little new in the way of gameplay, scoring it 5 out of 10. Despite its innate simplicity, Rapid Reload triumphs in the die alien scum and haha got you sense, but for long lasting appeal, forget it. In fact, in the, in the case of originality, it scores 1 out of 10. And it just says, what do you think? Wow, did Jas Rignall write that? So yeah, by the looks of things, you didn't get off to the best of starts with your PlayStation collection. But thankfully, Wipeout did follow soon. In fact, I think Rapid Reload got traded in for Wipeout fairly bloody quickly. Or Street Fighter the movie. One of them definitely did. One of them didn't last long. I think I got Street Fighter because it was one of the few games from the SNES that I immediately missed was actually having a Street Fighter game. And I discovered a couple of things, one of which is Street Fighter the movie is not very good, and two, 
is that PlayStation Joypad is bobbins for dragon punches. Still is. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not great. Like I played a lot of X Men versus Street Fighter on the PlayStation, and I think, well, I mean, I definitely had the Dual Shock pads by that point, and I could, I mean, I you'd wreck your thumb trying to do like super moves or Hadouken's dragon punches, things like that. Remember me and my cousin putting hours into it and the blisters that you'd have on your thumb from doing that. So it was not not a good time. Now, if you'd have picked up a copy of the PlayStation Magazine demo disc, uh, they say here, CDs are a good thing. They're small, thin, and easy to carry around. They can hold music, pictures, and software. And if you want, you can take them to a front of a magazine. So you could have had demos of Wipeout, which it was a rolling demo, a video sequence of Crazy Ivan, a rolling demo of Destruction Derby, a video sequence of Assault Rigs, but actual playable demos of Discworld and Lemmings 3D. I am very, very confident I did get issue one of the official PlayStation magazine because I I was a Sony head at that point. I was all PlayStation all the time. I know I also did get Discworld for the PlayStation eventually because I remember playing that around my nan's on my nan's TV because I'd been dumped around there for the day or something. And while I did actually kind of still, I was still of the age where going out, you know, and kicking a football around and stuff like that, that still did happen. But I was a teenager, Luke, and, and video games were important. Yeah, they were. So I commandeered my nan's TV and she sat there absolutely perplexed at me playing Discworld. Understandable, really, because I was playing it and I was pretty perplexed. Discworld is that kind of game. But I'm I'm certain I did have that demo disc because I definitely remember a video demo of Crazy Ivan and I also definitely remember being able to play Discworld. There's also a rolling demo for VCD and a playable demo of Games Master Challenge from Series 4, Nova Storm. Mm, Another Psygnosis title. Let's have a look at what that Games Master magazine had to say about the launch of the PlayStation. What are you doing on September 29th? It's a Friday. Whatever it is, cancel it. If your school hasn't already arranged it, get your headmaster to give everyone the day off. Props to anyone that actually tried that, because I'm sure some buggers did. Do whatever it takes to be in your local computer shop on that day. This is the day that the PlayStation is being launched, and by all accounts, it's going to be one of the biggest launches ever. Sony are launching the machine for $299 with a free CD containing six playable demos and a music CD sampling program which lets you mess around with your favourite music CDs. That's a misunderstanding of what the visualiser is, really. Yeah. Also, let's just let's just lay this on the table here. It's not a free CD. You're spending 300 quid and part of that is paying for the CD. It's not like it's a case of, oh, you turn up and you buy the console and here is a limited time CD that is being produced just to give away free with the first 100 consoles. No, it's it's one of the pack-in features. That's, that's a pack-in. That's it. Like the cover disc on the official PlayStation magazine, that's not a free CD. You look at how much that official PlayStation magazine costs, Luke. You are paying for that CD, although I'm sure it was being subsidised by Sony and their kind of 20 million marketing budget. I can tell you, in fact, that the PlayStation magazine cost £4.99. I thought it was 5 99 but I mean, still, a fiver for a magazine in that day and age, when keep in mind, Games Master magazine from the same era, £2.25. Yeah, I was going to say, the Saturn magazine is a lot cheaper than that as well. And also, I should say as well, you may remember it being five ninety nine because probably the price went up after about a year or so. Same thing happened with Sonic the Comic. But uh, free or otherwise, they go on to say that this compares to Sega's Saturn, which retails at three nine nine, but comes with a free game in the shape of Virtua Fighter. Again, with the free. It's not free. You're it's paying packing. 400 quid for a console 
and a game, and that game happens to be Virtua Fighter. To get a PlayStation and a game, you are going to have to shell out almost £350, which doesn't make the 100 quid price gap seem quite so wide. Sony are also trying to outdo Sega with launch software. Whereas Sega had four titles when they launched their machine, Sony have eight ready and waiting. The titles are fab racing game Ridge Racer, weird 3D platform game Jumping Flash, Rapid Reload, known on import as Gunner's Heaven, Swish Psygnosis Racer Wipeout, Doom-style game Killeek, Psygnosis Shooter Nova Storm, Virtua Fighter Beater, Battle Arena Toshinden, and 3D Lemmings. All of these games will retail for between £39 and £49. I seem to remember £44.99 was the kind of sweet spot for a lot of Sony PlayStation titles, particularly in the early days. You weren't getting many at 40 or below. No, absolutely not. I'd imagine probably like Rapid Reload would have been at the, the lower level of that, and like something like Wipeout and Ridge Racer would have been at the much higher level. I get the horrible feeling I was still spending forty four ninety nine on Rapid <laughs> Reload. Sony have announced some pretty ambitious plans for their machine. They are planning to sell 175,000 machines in the first six months, just under 30,000 per month. Sega's sale figures so far point to 7,500 machines shifted in their first month. So while Sony being a bit optimistic, according to a source at retail, they could be. I think this is a wildly optimistic figure. As I pick myself up off the floor laughing, the lyrics to Dream on Dreamer came to mind. Sure, they'll do well in the first month, but it'll be but it'll tail off after that. The good news for consumers, but bad for retailers, is that Sony are almost certainly trying to force stock onto the shelves, knowing that it won't necessarily sell through. This will mean that retailers have to discount the stuff to get rid of it. Wow. That mm. comment, while I can understand their positioning, because it was an unknown, that did not happen. That definitely did not happen. You've got to wonder whether or not that attitude is because you know in the last few years in our timeline that is there have been a lot of pretenders to the throne a lot of newcomers coming into the field being like we're the new thing we're the new thing we're the new thing and actually all of them are pretty much tanked apart from the mega drive in the snes so is this retailer just looking at like well this is just the next Philips cdi this is just the next atari jaguar the next 3DO, as much as I love it, the next 3DO, the next exactly. Mega CD. Exactly, yeah. The next 32X. Yeah, whereas, you know, the Sega Saturn, they may look and be like, well, actually, I'd imagine even by that point, the Sega Saturn, they're looking at that next to the Mega CD and the 32X and the Mega Drive. And like, I'm not sure which of these I'm supposed to be pushing. All yeah. of them? I mean, they should, Luke, just be pushing the CDI because it's got the best graphics you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It's got the best graphics you've ever seen in your life. That joke never gets old. But Sony are backing up these claims with a massive marketing plan. It's all very businesslike, but what it boils down to is that they are spending £20 million between launch and Christmas to make sure everyone knows how good the machine is. They are going for credibility by aiming most of their marketing at people who wouldn't normally buy consoles. They are associating themselves with style, i.e. boring magazines, as well as nightclubs and festivals. Using this strategy, they aim to sell a million machines throughout Europe in the first year alone. Whatever happens, Sony are here to stay. There are plenty of peripherals coming out, including a mouse, and a release schedule that looks ominously like Sony are trying to completely dominate the industry. Whichever way it works, it's safe to say that PlayStation games players are in for a treat. Now we just have to sit back and see who wins the next generation war. Gee, I wonder who it'll be. We also get a little bit of a rundown of the games. You've already mentioned a couple of them. In fact, as I go through these, should we see 
have you got the official PlayStation magazine? And yes. if they've got a review, you say what they gave it. Sure can do. So they've got a quick rundown of the launch title. So I'm going to go through them and then where possible, you're going to give us what the official PlayStation magazine rated it. Mm-hmm. So first up, it's the daddy, Ridge Racer. The first and still one of the most highly rated PlayStation games is a near perfect conversion of the coin-op. Ridge Racer is a great racing game that gives Daytona on the Saturn a real run for its money. There's only one track, but when it's this good, who cares? It is only one track, but I hard I, I struggle to argue with that logic because it is still an absolute banging game. And official PlayStation Magazine agrees it's the highest score in the magazine overall. Nine out of ten uh, it scores. I, I can't argue with it. I think Ridge Racer 2 is better, but yeah, that first Ridge Racer and bonus retro shoot 'em up in the loading screen. Nice. Very tidy. Secondly, Jumping Flash. For years, platform games have been flat, two-dimensional affairs that all look pretty much the same. Jumping Flash blows that away with complete freedom of movement in 3D environments. No more just moving left to right. Now you have to go up, down, into and out of the screen and all over the place. This is aimed squarely at younger users. Visual PlayStation Magazine said Jumping Flash is one of the new breed of games that only PlayStation can do. It's a whole new gaming experience, so if you can afford it, jump at the chance, 8 out of 10. Next up, it's one of my early adoptions. It's Rapid Reload, which we've already covered what they had to say. But Games Master says, just to show that super consoles haven't forgotten what makes a good game, comes Rapid Reload or Gunner's Heaven as it was known in the past. A scrolling platform shoot 'em up kind of affair in the Contra hardcore style. I, I would actually say comparing it to Contra is very, very fair. Mm-hmm. Next up, Wipeout. Just check out the supplement you got with this issue to see the game in depth. Spoilers, the supplement did not come with my issue of the magazine. Sorry. A classy and stunning looking 3D racer that combines Mario Kart slash F-Zero style gameplay with the kind of graphics that make even the fastest PC look tame. Yes, yes, and yes, because it is the weapons of Mario Kart, the futuristic racing of F-Zero, and yeah, nosebleed fast, even with the PAL slowdown. First PlayStation Magazine said, a gravity-defying, stomach-churning, futuristic racing game. A little more in-your-face passion would have been welcome, but it's still enormous fun, 8 out of 10. Wipeout was good, but we all know Wipeout 2097. That's where it's at. Ah, yeah, that was it. Also, Wipeout XL, if you're an American listener. We've got a few, but just to (laughs) clarify on that one. Up next, I'm going to say Killiak? Killiak? Yep, it's something like that. Every console has to have a Doom game, and this is the PlayStation's first. It's got the atmosphere, but lacks the speed and violence. There's also not a hell of a lot to see in it. Possibly the weakest title of the bunch. Well, official PlayStation magazine seems to agree, a game of two halves, commendable graphics and ambiance, but lacking any variety, exhilaration or appeal of its inspiration. In short, duff, four out of ten. Oh, wow, I could have done worse than Rapid Reload then. You really could have done, yeah. Up next, Nova Storm, another one from Psygnosis. This is the follow-up to the flawed microcosm and improves on it in just about every way. It's a shoot 'em up but not just an ordinary-looking one. Is anything going to be ordinary-looking anymore? Psygnosis have wrapped up the blasting action in these incredible Psygy, Siggy, P-S-Y-G-G-I-E. <laughs> I guess they're trying to shorten Psygnosis. Yeah, so... Psyche, I would imagine. Yeah. Check out the supplement for a better look. Man, I wish I had this fucking <laughs> supplement. This, this supplement is apparently where all the action's at. So what did they have to say about Nova Storm? It's not reviewed in the magazine, 
Uh, I can tell you what the, they say about it in the demo disc, though. Uh, they just say here, first seen on the PC, SIE's graphically gorgeous shoot-em-up is about to be unleashed on the PlayStation this November. You can get a sneaky first look at what will be on offer thanks to this hectic playable demo. Nova Storm is a mad first-person perspective sci-fi shoot-em-up ablaze with alluring rendered drops. The enemy onslaught is thick and unforgiving in typical shoot-em-up style. There are plenty of weapons for you to collect so that you can effortlessly burst through the alien barrage. The demo shows you only a small portion of what is to come, but we can assure you that after playing it, your trigger finger will be uncontrollably itchy. So no review of it, but there is a bit of a preview of sorts. There's not actually a full preview of it either. Okay, but I mean, it sounds like they're kind of picking it up. Yes, there's a massive advert for it in the magazine as well to be like, this is one of the games you need to get. Next up, Battle Arena Toshinden. The Saturn may have Virtua Fighter, but the PlayStation has this, not to mention Tekken held in reserve. Easy to play and one of the most addictive beat-em-ups of the lot. It's reviewed here in the official PlayStation magazine. They say a handsome 3D, weapon-wielding, rib-bruising, projectile-hurling, butt-kicking beat-em-up, an ideal introduction into the underworld of the polygon combat game, 8 out of 10. That's entirely valid. I, I, I like how they do mention that Tekken is in reserve because Tekken is, that's where it's at. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a game that not only runs amazingly well on the PlayStation hardware, but just is way more polished in every conceivable manner. And last but not least, 3D Lemmings. Just when you thought it was safe to go back to your console, they're back. The cuties from hell. More life-saving antics from one of the most popular breed of video game characters ever. This version takes the number of machines with Lemmings games to over 25. PlayStation Magazine would say, love it or hate it, Lemmings 3D is addictive and extremely playable. Not a showcase PlayStation game, but a nice alternative to the norm. 8 out of 10. In the originality portion, it says, you're kidding, right? And scores it 2 out of 10. I mean, it's 3D Lemmings. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that this being a port of Lemmings makes it unoriginal. It, 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 it's still Lemmings. The concept is still original. If this was called, I don't know, Bennings, um, was made by a completely different developer and had like a bunch of small creatures with blue hair and green smocks, then the originality is like zero and a lawsuit is incoming. But this is just a port of lemmings. Do you criticise? Do you go, oh, Super Street Fighter 2 HD remix for the Nintendo Switch? Originality, zero. Not really, because it's a port. It may have a few extra bells and whistles, but it was a defining game. Maybe this is a broader problem with, with reviews in general, is should a port be judged as being unoriginal? Yeah, but we've seen this a lot over our time doing this podcast as well. Like the Sonic games have come under massive fire from Games Master in particular for being the same game all the time, you know, being like, oh, it's just the same game as you've seen previously now with shinier graphics. So I think it is just, it's the way that a lot of these games are often looked at, is if you're not doing anything drastically different with the franchise, you are just sort of seen as being lazy and unoriginal with it which I, I actually disagree with. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like saying Tetris Effect. By that logic, Tetris Effect gets zero originality, which is bobbins. Anyway, I'll get, I'll get off my high horse, Luke. But that is the October 1995 issue of Games Master Magazine, which we'll be returning to in a few weeks, as that will be our Games Master Magazine for the start of Series 5.
Hello, citizens of Europe. As spokesperson for SAPS, the Society Against PlayStation, I'd like to talk to you about a menace threatening humanity. It's happening right here, in our very homes, and corrupting the lives of our loved ones. Yes, friends, I'm talking about this. It may look like a harmless bagel toaster, but inside is a deadly donut. How do you know PlayStation is not a normal game system? It carries these telltale signs. Scientists say its effects are mind-boggling. Users lose all sense of reality and enter another world. Here we have a normal, healthy young man. And here we have a fellow who's been experimenting with PlayStation for only a few minutes. Proof that we saps must be on our guard. Remember, do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we kind of finish up this episode, though, we do have the letters page from the official PlayStation magazine. Now you'd think, hey, it's the first issue. How are you getting any letters? They explain. Welcome to the part of the magazine where you get to say your piece. Our letters page is an open forum for all manner of discourse. We'll do our best to answer questions, raise hopes, ally fears, or simply make stuff up as we see fit. For the first issue of PSM, we actually have some genuine letters from people on the internet. Future Publishing's worldwide website posted information about the magazine and asked for replies. What follows is a brief selection from the many we received. Luke, I've got to stop you there. There are no genuine people on the internet. <laughs> that, that's like the Aurora Borealis in your kitchen. Just no. They don't, they don't exist. Everyone on the internet is fake or a bot or someone in someone's basement. I also just got a massive kick out of World Wide Website, all of which is capitalised. Absolutely. I mean, that's how you know what the WWW stands for. So our first letter is titled, And Another Think. This is from Martin Isles. Sounds like it's they actually posted up their email addresses as well, which seems like major doxing here in 2021. I doubt they're still working these days. Uh, but anyway, 
Uh, Martin writes, sounds like it's going to be an interesting magazine. I think the idea of a sampler CD on PSM's cover is excellent, though I'd prefer it contain playable rather than static demos. You can tell so much more from playing the game for a few minutes, the rolling demos are useless in deciding whether or not a game is worth buying. Also, it would be worthwhile filling up the disc with any interesting graphics demos, there must be plenty of these. A beneficial piece of information to include in the review of any PlayStation game will be to state if it runs in full screen PAL or if it's just a letterbox version of the NTSC game. I also think you've got a point to make on that, Ash. No, that was a finger gesture of agreement. Oh, yes. Because okay. <laughs> yeah. fuck lazy power conversions, really. I'm so glad we're beyond that now. Uh, Martin continues, I also think that a feature on how to connect your console to your TV to obtain the best picture quality may be helpful. There are numerous debates on whether RGB composite video SVHS is better. Obviously, RF isn't any good. And it would be good to have an objective view on that matter. Finally, how about updating the web page with any games which have been confirmed by Sony for release for the PlayStation or just after? It's almost impossible to find out from other sources as the publishing dates for games can vary so much. Now, would you like to hear their response to that? I, I really, really would, yeah. Crivens, that raises a few issues. For starters, our demo disc, both words capitalized, will be featuring a variety of loveliness with non-playable demos as well as playable ones. Despite what you say, rolling demos are useful to see how a game looks and moves in real time and you can help your buying decisions, especially in conjunction with our fine handcrafted reviews. We won't be harping on about the PAL versus NTSC debate as, very quickly, you'll find most PAL games running full or pretty full screen anyway. But we do have loads- You're shaking your head there. Oh, I know that was bollocks. <laughs> but we do have loads of PlayStation related features lined up, including one of the smartest TVs and how to best connect up your PlayStation. So stay tuned. Our worldwide website, futurenets.co.uk, will have loads of information posted there, including release dates and prices and software. But rest assured, PSM will keep you informed on new games and their notoriously unreliable release dates. I mean, I was shaking my head at the PAL versus NTSC. Um, you can go online and you can find lots of comparison videos of different games on PAL versus NTSC going all the way up through PlayStation into PS2 and even like other things beyond it. It was a good amount of time before we got kind of that whole thing just put to bed and not happening anymore. But yeah, I think realistically, they're the official PlayStation magazine. They don't want to comment on it because then that would be Sony admitting yeah, we're half-assing some of these. Our next letter is from Mark, a proud import owner, who says, The one thing that concerns me about your magazine is the official part of its title. Previously, future publishing magazines have supported both home machine owners and import machine owners. Does the official mag see a reversal in this policy? I think it's important that you cater for all owners of the PlayStation and don't become like the official Nintendo magazine with its scaremongering, such as adapters blow up your SNES. Good luck with the magazine. Oh, that bloody adapters blow up your SNES thing. We've That's haunted us through, throughout Games Master because I think it was Misha brought it up or something like that. And essentially, it is bollocks. They don't. I mean, there might be some that, that do if they're like really badly made. But in general, PAL NTSC adapters, action replays, they, they don't. They can't. Uh, well, the official PlayStation magazine here replies, the one major difference with the PlayStation is that Sony will be trying very hard to have simultaneous releases of major titles in Japan, Europe, and the US. So the only games you'll be missing out on are obscure Japanese horse rating titles and pachinko simulations. We'll be reporting on the latest game developments from Japan and the US, but obviously our priorities lie with the hundreds of thousands of people who will be buying PAL machines. We have one more letter that I would like to read out before we move on from here, though, which is called, 
what's there to celebrate? This comes from Brad Easley from Leeds. So the PlayStation has finally been released in the UK, but isn't it just possible that we're seeing the best software for the machine in the first months of its existence? Games like the admittedly gorgeous Ridge Racer have been in progress for some two years because companies like Namco can afford to spend time on them. How many other companies will go to such lengths to produce top quality games when no one knows where the market will be in two years' time? And isn't it also the case that Ridge Racer, Tekken et al. may be about as good as it gets? Sure, we can expect some Doom clones, the slightest remodeled beat-em-ups like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, but where's the innovation? Where's the gobsmacking next-generation software coming from? I'm not convinced we'll see anything significantly better than what you can get on the Super Nintendo. Oh, I bet you those comments itched after a while. (laughs) Or if he's anything like, you know, a a genuine person on the internet, he's doubling down on it and has just been like, nope, still haven't seen anything that's better than the snares. You wait until Twitter gets here. I'm really going to get opinionated then. The official PlayStation magazine responded, the PlayStation is designed so the programmers can create impressive visual effects easily. In fact, it's no secret that Ridge Racer was written using Sony's own graphic libraries in just six or seven months. So to suggest that we've seen the best in the machine already is a bit premature. Certainly the graphics will improve, already we've seen games in production that wipe the floor with many of the first-generation titles. With a machine as powerful as the PlayStation, coders can concentrate on gameplay and let the hardware do the fancy stuff. Hopefully before long, we'll be seeing titles with the graphic excellence of Wipeout, Tekken and Ridge Racer, but the enhanced gameplay to match. And because this is the first magazine as well, they do ask for things they don't want you uh, sending in questions for. So they uh, basically, they give you four things. Here's what we don't want to hear from you. My Saturn Jaguar 3DO Nintendo is isn't as good as the PlayStation. Number one, we don't care. Number two, neither does anyone else. Will the so-and-so game appear on the PlayStation? Don't worry, we'll tell you when stuff is coming out. Will this Japanese US game work on my PAL PlayStation? No, it won't. Don't bother asking. Which is better, Mortal Kombat 3 or Street Fighter 2? Uh, no one cares. I mean, Street Fighter 2. Even with Mortal Kombat 3, which was very good. Uh, yeah, I mean... I just saw what it got in the Games Master magazine, but we'll be getting to that in a few weeks' time. So there it is. That's that's the PlayStation launch. For me, I didn't get a PlayStation until 1998. I didn't get a PlayStation until after Games Master had stopped airing on our televisions. So it, it's a little while off for me. My friend got one, though, and he oh, used to go around to his and play a lot of Tekken. That was the big game for us. Now, well, I mean, it was the big game for him. I never really massively got into it. I was more of a Street Fighter kid. But it was like a... And I've said this on the podcast before when we, you know, reached it in our timeline stuff. There was a real like, wow, like this, the future is here and this is what it looks like. Yeah, I I remember, I think, I mean, I was very fortunate having a few years on you because I was already working part time, like kind of like one day a week. And, you know, I was on average earning between 20 and 30 pound a day once or twice a week. That was pretty cool. Um, depending on like what I was doing and how I was helping. So things like saving up for the PlayStation, or more importantly, games for the PlayStation, became plausible. Now, should I be more sensible with my savings? Oh, absolutely. But Luke, I was earning money and I could buy games. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, when I got my paper round and I was getting, uh, what, 12 quid a week for that? Man, you bet your ass I was going down and spending that money in Rusty's Records in Reading Town Centre buying CDs out the wazoo. Same. I I mean, I, I'm very grateful that I was able to get a part-time job. I know a lot of people weren't at that particular time because, you know, it was paper rounds. I lived in a very rural area. I was lucky that I was able to actually work in a shop or work on a market. That, that It was a good experience from both a kind of a work, uh, I guess, ethics 
point of view and kind of like responsibility and effort and just teaching me the value of hard work and all that kind of bullshit that your parents normally go on about. Um, but yeah, it also allowed me to play really, really cool games and have a really, really good time of it. So I'm glad I got on board at launch, although I'll actually drop this in here. So I got my PlayStation on launch day and I took it home and it was dead on arrival. Oh no! Yep, my PS1 was dead on arrival, would not power up. Man, it's like the red ring of death before it was even a thing. Not even a red ring. There was no ring, there was no light. It was a case <laughs> of just boom. Thankfully, had another figure eight because of course it was the standard figure eight leg cable. Tried that, made sure it wasn't the lead. Nothing. Too late to go back to Toys R Us at that point. So we went back the next day on the Saturday and we were like, oh, we'd like to exchange this, please. It was dead on arrival. And they're like, oh, okay, uh, you're going to have to come back like Monday or Tuesday because we don't have any more. Oh, damn, man. Because like, I was just about to say then what sucks is that you had your Friday kind of like already set out to play through your brand new games that you got for your PlayStation. I suppose I mean, at least you get the Saturday. No, you're not even getting the weekends now. Nope, nope. And yeah absolutely bloody heartbreaking i think i did end up getting like um they, they gave me some vouchers but the thing is like toys of us was an arsake for me to get to like unless my parents were driving there i couldn't really because not only was it in gloucester but it was in an industrial estate in gloucester so you couldn't even get the bus to gloucester and walk there i mean technically you could and I probably would now. It wouldn't seem that far to me now. But as a kid, you'd be like, oh, that's all the way outside town. That's out where the cinema is. You know, that's it's it's a ways out. So I'm not sure those vouchers ever really got used. I think one of them might have gotten used. And that was probably why I ended up with either Rapid Reload or Street Fighter the movie. Probably Street Fighter the movie. It was shit, I know. But yeah, my, my PlayStation was dead on arrival, even though technically I still owned a PS1 from day one. It just didn't work. Oh man, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, I know. I, I I'm still somewhat salty about that to this day. Which 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 I find weird as well because there was that guy in, who was from retail saying that the all these stores were going to be like swamped with stock of all of these things. I distinctly remember not only were there stock shortages of the consoles but of the games. Like I ended up with Rapid Reload not because I thought it was going to be the best game to get, but because silly immature me just went, no, but I've got to buy a new game to take home with it. I mean, I know I've got the demo disc, but I've got to have something full to play. And I ended up with that. And that was a mistake. I'd have been better off waiting a week, playing the demo, and getting a Destruction Derby, a Wipeout, a Battle Arena, Toshinden, fucking anything that I actually wanted rather than a game which, you know, it sounded good. It looks pretty cool. There were a lot of enemies on screen. I still like a 2D runny, jumpy, shooty game, but it wasn't... It didn't have the wow factor. And truth be told, much like with, I think, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, the best games for the PlayStation didn't come until after Christmas, really. I, I They were good games, but a lot of those games were rushed for development. Uh, developers from Psygnosis have gone on record saying that there was a lack of development tools, there was a lack of documentation coming out of Japan. And Psygnosis were the boys, you know, they weren't just creating original games. They were converting Street Fighter to the PlayStation. They were doing Capcom ports purely because of what they had been able to do with the PlayStation thus far. And that was no insider knowledge from them. They were just working shit out as they went along. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's kind of, you see this a lot with launches. Like even, you know, to this day where there'll be like one really great title with it. I, I've 
I've only bought one machine on day of launch, and that was the Wii. And in fact, if anything, I actually got it two days before launch because I was working at GameStation at the time. This all would have been edited out, but there's only three attempts to say that because I first said Games Master, I then said Games Workshop before I landed on GameStation. Fucking hell, man. How many jobs did you have? <laughs> just the one. I only worked at GameStation. Um, I've just got a terrible mind and a terrible mouth. Um, so I got mine early. And from that, all I had was Wii Sports because I got it like before game came before the game came out. And then I had to wait a week before I could get Legend of Zelda. So would it was it really worth me getting it on day one? I don't know. I probably would have been better off waiting a week for some more options of things. Yeah. I mean, when I got the PS5, I got Spider-Man with it. But a lot of the reason I got it was because my PS4 was like rapidly beginning to cark it. And I wanted a way to uh, and I wanted a way to continue to enjoy the games, but a little bit quieter and perhaps with a little bit more stable frame rate. It did all that. And Spider-Man did look lovely on the PS5. I won't take that away from it, both the remaster and Miles Morales. But I think I'm still waiting to be truly wowed. Although there is that game coming out this year with the cat, where you play as a cat in a world of robots. Oh, that's like cool. Look, it, it looks very, very cool, very nice, very different. And that's what I want. I want to be wowed with something different, not just the next cod blobs or yeah. whatever it's called. But maybe just because I was a bit older, maybe because the Sony PlayStation was this marketing juggernaut that was going outside of the normal reach of video games. I actually was much more aware of the console war, primarily between Sony and Nintendo. I like I felt it at school a lot more. Maybe it's because I was a bit older and kids were a bit more vicious, to be honest. I remember there was a guy that was a diehard Nintendo fan and me and him were great friends until I got the PlayStation and there's at least one person listening to this that might even know who I'm talking about but he became like a Nintendo 64 evangelist and he started pulling out kind of all the old insults and hey guess what some mildly homophobic slurs because it was the 90s and apparently that was still fine and yeah he would just shit on the PlayStation every opportunity he could and even when the N64 came out and as much as I do love the N64 and I do genuinely love it Cliff there were a lot of problems with the N64 there still are and he just wouldn't concede like he would not concede that the PlayStation with its red book CD audio sounded better than the Nintendo 64 he was like no the Nintendo 64 is better and I'm just like but, it, but it's not it's genuinely not. Use your ears. I mean, it is impressive what they managed to get out of it, but it's not CD quality audio. No, it's capable of CD quality audio. Most things are capable of CD quality audio, but they take up a hell of a lot of space. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I mean. Like, it is impressive what they managed to get. Like, you know, Tony Hawk 2 on the N64, its audio on that is hella impressive. But is it as good as the PlayStation 1? Absolutely not. Hasn't got half the songs. The wrestling games. Now, <laughs> the Nintendo 64 wrestling games are infinitely more playable than the SmackDown series on the PlayStation. They're just better games. They're more in-depth. I much prefer them. But the entrances are shit. Yeah, those are the things like with the, you know, the 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 GIFs that you're basically watching for entrance videos. It's, it's not quite as, as, as sharp as it was on the PlayStation with its full motion video and everything like that. But you know, I had a friend exactly the same. He was diehard Nintendo. He'd been... NES through to SNES through to the N64. The amount of times he would tell me, just like, Final Fantasy VII is not a good game. Because he just, he could not accept that a game that people really like. Because all of my friends, like, we were massively into Final Fantasy VII, but it wasn't on the 64. So he could not accept that it was a good game. 
and it wasn't as good as Ocarina of Time. And that was just, that was what he stuck with. It's like, I can't imagine running home from school to play a game that's turn-based fighting. And that was just like, he that he'd put his flag in the sand and, you know, and he stuck with it. Of course, the crazy thing is, and this is as time moved on, and also I moved up where I wasn't, you know, as you go into A-levels and stuff, you're not necessarily in school all the time. And me, being the enterprising young lad I am, I worked out that, hey, that means I can actually work more. And that was when I started working at the Internet Cafe, which both paid more. And because of the way my lessons were structured, I could actually work evenings there a couple of weeks. I could get on a bus that would go all the way through my hometown, straight onto Cheltenham, and boom, I could work there. It was great. That meant I was earning more money. So it meant that, well, yes, I had the PlayStation and I could, you know, continue to enjoy the PlayStation and have games. Luke, I could also start to save up for the Nintendo 64. Now, we will get to that in timeline, but spoilers, I also got a Nintendo 64 relatively close to launch. This guy did not like that because suddenly I was worse than the traitor. (laughs) Two timing. Well, the thing is, is I could actually do direct comparisons between the two. And that was that was heresy because it means I wasn't picking a side. God, people are stupid and they still are today. It's not just a new thing, tribalism. Anyway, I'll tell you what, let's let's wrap this episode <laughs> up because next week is a bit of an unknown currently. We do have a plan of what the next episode is, but it may be something else. Um, if you're one of our Patreon backers, you'll have already heard what it is. In theory, it's going to be an interview podcast, but it may be the precursor to series. It may be series five, episode zero. Depends on how we get on with our interviews podcast. Um, But the week after that will be the live episode, the gore special before we get into series five, which I'm really looking forward to diving into. I mean, there's a reason we've kind of just briefly gone over the launch of the PlayStation and the Saturn separately. It's because we're going to cover them in the normal episodes. They will be there well the playstation launch will be the saturn will have already happened but they're game changers for games master because suddenly it's not cdi the best graphics you've ever seen your life it's not hey trip hawkins is in town and he's throwing money it's 32-bit is here pixels are still cool but oh look polygons oh yeah there is ne'er a mention of the mega drive come series five the snes gets a handful every now and again but it is all Saturn, it is all PlayStation, it is all arcade and PC. And it's interesting because Games Master Magazine is going to be our main window into what remains of 16-bit because, I mean, this is the October issue I've got here. The cover star, despite the PlayStation launching this month, is Mortal Kombat 3 for the SNES and the Mega Drive. That's the big review. That's the cover star. So you're seeing kind of almost a change in direction between where the TV show is going and where the magazine knows its bread and butter is still going to be because these consoles weren't cheap. They really weren't. But we'll see you in seven days time for the next episode. If you would like to get that episode a week early and ad free, you can find us over at patreon.com forward slash under console pod. Back is at the five pound level there. And you'll also get access to UCP Extra, which is our monthly show, which we do in this style but we do it about other tv shows from the 80s and 90s and possibly any other time period really and under console nation our monthly community podcast we've also got a discord ash why don't you tell the good folk about that over on the discord we've got a whole bunch of chatter going on at the moment i think people are talking about wrestling at the moment luke i don't think that's a good idea terrible idea we're less than 72 hours into 2022 and i already regret talking about wrestling with a few people however harriet has just posted an amazing ghostbuster shirt that she found in Primark. 
Oh, I'm, I'm going quickly to look go- now. I'm just going to quickly paste it to you to save you even having to click. Oh, I found out, I found out, I found out. Oh, that is lovely. It's purple. Yeah, I've t- I tell you what, when we're done recording, Luke, I'm going to go and have a look for that. Because <laughs> yeah. guess what? I don't need more T-shirts, but I'm going to get one anyway. But yeah, people are talking about wrestlers. People are, talk- people are talking about wrestling. People are talking about games. People are talking about Mario game rankings. Mm. Mm. It is a lovely place. I will say, be wary of the abyss. No good <laughs> yeah. comes from that channel. It is it is full of memes and thirst traps. That's it. Well, you can find links to that in the show notes for this podcast. We will see you in seven days' time. Take care, everyone. Good night. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.